tonight let's get into this Daniel chapter 11 and verse number 32 let me read this for you I'll read verse 32 and verse 33 for you and then we will dive right in it says those who do wickedly against the covenant he, and he's talking here about, about, actually about Antiochus Epiphanes. That's who this prophecy was about. And that's, he's come already now. But that's who he was talking about. But it also leads toward the spirit of Antichrist that's alive right now. And points towards the Antichrist that is going to come. So three layers that we find in this verse, in this chapter, in Daniel chapter number 11. Those who do wickedly, he's talking about the Jews against the covenant. So those that will agree with Antiochus Epiphanes and and do wickedly and turn against their covenant, he will corrupt them with flattery. He will flatter them. He'll say, boy, you're doing a great job by turning your back on the covenant of God. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Verse 33 then says, And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Now it's not really talking there about being teachers over many. It's literally talking about their actions will be instructions for others to follow. How they respond will be an instruction, a lesson that others will learn when they are fighting these same battles. Yet for many days they shall fall by sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. Let's read one more. Let's read verse number thirty. Four. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. Let's keep going. Verse 35. And some of those of understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them, make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. So we see this setting in Scripture, and I'll just catch you up real quickly. And for those of you that, that aren't... Um, Maybe you're newer to Wednesday nights. You can always go and catch up our Wednesday night uh, series that we've been in on my blog. And it's very easy to find. It's simply greggarvey.com. You can go there. It's just my blog. It has Wednesday night's audios on it. You can find them there. You can go to to, uh, iTunes podcast. You can find them there. It's just our Wednesday nights. It's just the audio version. And you can catch up. If all else fails, you can go to riverlifechurch.com media page. And you can hit the walk. And it'll take you right to my blog. So if you need to catch up, you can. But let me catch you up real quickly, real briefly tonight. This, This setting that we're talking about. that this was written before Antiochus Epiphanes would rise up and it was written before that was going to happen but it told exactly what was going to come and Antiochus Epiphanes in scripture is oftentimes as we look at this a lot of what he brought will represent and look towards what's coming prophetically in our day as the Antichrist rises up. And so the layers are there. But before the Antichrist rises, the spirit of Antichrist, the Bible says, John says, is already at work among us. And so there are lessons in Daniel 11 verses 32 and 33 that we can learn from today. And that's what we've been doing. And we've been looking at this and we've been walking through this. And how many know that the enemy still tries 
to flatter those as that would turn their back upon the Lord or walk away from their walk with God, the enemy will flatter them. He will tell them, oh, it's okay. You're doing great. He has worked the same way down throughout time. And so this world system will corrupt us if we do not keep our eyes on the covenant of grace through Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's the lesson that we learn out of that scripture. But the word that we've been focusing on is that, but they that do know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Last week I talked to you about the concept of knowing your God. And that's where we, we started talking about what the lessons that we are going to learn from this. And we talked about the fact that it is vitally important that you know your God. And, and the, what, we, what we pulled out of that was that you know your God in a personal relationship. That you know not another God or not another person's God, but your God. They that know their God. So it's a personal relationship. And it's not a God that somebody else reveals to you. It is a God, the God that has been revealed to you. And that you know your God's nature. And we talked about that last week. And so I'm not going to recap all of that. But His nature is love and power and His purpose and His will for our lives. And when we know Him, then we can rest assured that we are known by Him. Amen. See, when you know God, there's something that begins to open up in your life and and a freshness that comes into your life because you realize you are known by Him. And even though He knows you better than you know yourself, He loves you. And He's called you. And He walks with you. And He plans for you. When you are known by God, you begin to understand you are fully known. And so, therefore, you are fully accepted. We stopped here last week. And we talked about the fact that God has fully accepted us. Amen. I love the opportunity to just, Wednesday night, just take our time more laid back and and just teach through the Word. How many know it is powerful when you begin to understand you are fully accepted by God? You are fully accepted. He knows you completely, yet through Christ, He accepts you. Now, how many of you are brave enough to raise your hand and say with me, because my hand goes up before anybody else's, that I'm not sure if I was God, I would fully accept me. Because <laughs> I, I know some stuff about me. Amen? And some of that stuff isn't real great. I'm not, you know, how many of you are your biggest critic? It's hard for other people to really tear me down because I'm by far my biggest critic. So I'm kind of used to, I'm kind of used to criticism because I give it to myself plenty. So, so, but, but to know that God knows me and yet he fully accepts me. That means he accepts me with, with all of my shortcomings now, that's not a license to just live in them. But how I many know that it's freeing to know that he knows them, but he accepts me anyway? Do you know God knows all your weaknesses? How many know your weaknesses? Do you know every human being has weaknesses? Right? 
when you go into a job interview and they say, well, what do you see as your greatest weakness? And you know, you don't want to make yourself look bad. And so you try to say something like, well, I care too much. <laughs> come on now, that's not it. <laughs> come on, y'all, y'all know, right? Y'all, y'all try to find weaknesses that make you still sound good. But how I many you know our weaknesses really aren't, they don't really make us look good when we're real honest about them. There are weaknesses for a reason. But God accepts us even with those weaknesses. And they all look different for all of us. And that's why we don't judge one another. That's why I have no right and no ability to judge you because of weaknesses that I see in you. Because I stand before God with weaknesses every day. And my weaknesses may be different than yours, but they're all weaknesses in his eyes. But you know what? He still accepts anyone who comes to him through Christ. And so if you know God, then you are full, you understand you are fully known by him, meaning you are fully accepted by him. And not only that, to be fully known by God means that you are fully redeemed. When you give him full access to your life, you are completely redeemed. Bought back, purchased by the blood of Jesus. When you know God and you, you are known by God and you've accepted Christ, you are fully, completely redeemed. We are living in flesh suits, but our salvation is settled. Oh, come on, somebody. That was better than just a little amen. Our salvation is settled. Now, can you walk away from it? You can walk away from it. I'm not, that's not my debate tonight. But I'm saying when you are in Christ, salvation is settled. We, we are fully known. We are fully accepted. We are fully redeemed because He is our God and we are fully loved. God loves. Do you know God loves you so much? He loved you the same when you were an enemy against Him as He does when you are His own. Because he loved the world so much that while we were enemies against him, he sent his own son to die for us. You are fully known. You are fully accepted. You are fully redeemed. And you are fully loved. So they who know their God. The enemy flatters you and corrupts you with flattery. He tries to pull you away from God. He, He doesn't accept you. He's trying to harm you. He doesn't redeem you. He's trying to drag you down with Him. He doesn't love you. In fact, He would destroy you if He could. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ has come that we would have life and to have it more abundantly. But the enemy flatters us. He he corrupts us. He tries to seduce us away and draw us away. But they that know their God. That's, that's vital. And you can't get past that. If you jump past being knowing your God and understanding that means then you are known fully by Him, you'll miss the rest of this. Because the only way that you can be strong and carry out great exploits is to know your God. Because the source of your strength, the source of your power, the ability you walk in, the new life you've been given is found only in your God. And so you have to know your God. These are the lessons that we learned from this. And what really began this process in me is that in prayer the Lord and then confirmed it twice in my life within a 24 hour span. The Lord began to say to me, I'm, I'm calling people back to an early anointing. 
to an anointing of people that knew their God, that know their God, and are walking in His power. I'm calling you back, and I want you to put a call out to the church that we need to come back to that early anointing, that ancient anointing. And the way I view that is that that even pre Christ anointing. Do you know we are living in a world, a lot of people say we are a post-Christian nation now. But do you know, I would rather say, rather than being a post-Christian, we are actually a pre-Christian. Because the way you look at it is, is totally makes all the difference in the world because here if you look at it as well we're just post Christian meaning we walked away from Christian values and we're just moving into the secular system now and we've, we've given up if you look at it that way it's only negative but do you know Jesus came into a pre-Christ world and made a difference do you know John the Baptist ministered in a pre-Christ world and called them to repentance Amen. Talked about the one that was going to come. I would say to us here tonight, we need to enter into this with faith and hope. And we need to begin to call people, whether they have rejected Christ, whether they have walked away from Christ, whether they know nothing about Christ. We need to call them to him we need to represent Christ to our world again rather than moaning and groaning and whining and complaining about what's been lost we need to start showing and living before our world what Christ who Christ is and what Christianity is really all about amen let me tell you what Christianity is not Christianity is not a voting block We, we have somehow turned Christianity into a political vote. And that's not Christianity. Christianity is following Christ. In any situation, in any place, in any country, in any nation, we can follow Christ. We, we need to come into this with the understanding. We are to call people to Jesus. We are to point. Do you know the early church? They walked in an anointing to call people to something that they had never seen before. Amen. Do you know there is a world around us today that doesn't know the things that some of us know? They have not experienced some of the things that some of us have experienced. Do you know there's generations being raised today, they have not experienced the outpouring of the Spirit like some of us have. Amen. How many realize that? They've not experienced the same thing. And so, you know, we, we talk about all the good old days. And they have no idea what we're talking about. Amen. And so we need to demonstrate. We are to walk in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. We, we are to point people to Jesus. We are to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Jude would tell us we are to contend for the faith. We are to ensure that we hold to the faith that has been delivered to us. That we hold to the word. That we not relinquish. That we not release. That we, we, not, that we never let go of the truth that we know. Jude, and how many of you know Jude? Most scholars would say that Jude that wrote the book of Jude in the Bible was, was the half-brother of Jesus. Brother James. 
And, and that Jude did not come to follow Christ until after the resurrection. Until after the death. Because it, you probably couldn't follow your half-brother either if he said he was Messiah. I'll just leave that alone. I'm not sure siblings are the best ones to think their other one is the son of God you know I don't know if that would work so well but anyway Jude came in a little bit later but he writes and he says in in the book of Jude and it's just just one chapter but in the book of Jude and and let's pick it up let me let me turn back over there let's pick it up in verse number three he says beloved while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. But look at the next verse. The next verse there, verse 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. They're ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now go with me down to verse 16 of Jude. He says, These are grumblers and complainers and walking according to their own lusts and mouth great swelling words and flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. They're sensual persons causing divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, and we'll stop here, verse 20, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Contend for the faith. So, so what I want to declare to you tonight is as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, a believer, as a, a man or woman of God sitting in here tonight, we need to contend for the faith. We need to understand. We need to call the world to Christ. We need to walk in the power and demonstration of what He's done in us and in the Spirit. And we must contend for the faith because there is a world around us that is trying to pull faith out of this place. Amen. They're trying to to contradict faith. And so we are called to contend for the faith. So what do we do? The first thing we do is we have to know God. It's not enough to know someone else's God. You have to know God. And when you know God, you realize you are known by God. Then, Daniel 11, 32, then you will be strong. So in the day... When adversity is around us and faith is being attacked and corruption is trying to flatter us away from the kingdom, in that day, when the spirit of Antichrist, I'm not talking about the man, but just that spirit that is against Christ, when the spirit of Antichrist is prevalent in the world around us, we know God, we contend for the faith, and then we will be strong. How many feel like in the world today, You need to be strong. You need the strength of the Lord. We got to have it. How many know the world will beat on you? I mean, it will. And everything out there will try to contradict your faith. 
and, and try to pull you away from Christ. And try to point you in different directions. And so you need strength. Okay, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of knowing our God, that's our strength. And so when we know God, we will be strong. The word be means prove themselves. They that know their God will be. They will prove themselves strong. Now watch this. The word there is used in this instance. Strong there is used this way. To resist... The seductive efforts. And to display strength in the face of adversity. That's what be strong is used there. That's the actual wording there. The actual wording is to prove yourself by resisting seductive efforts. And displaying strength in the face of adversity. Now how many believe we've got the opportunity to do that right now? Because when the enemy is lurking all around us and the world's going crazy around us and everything seems to be turned against God. In fact, if, we're, if, if we are, have ever lived in the day Isaiah prophesied about in Isaiah 5 and 20, where he said they will, call, they will exchange bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They will call good evil and evil good. If ever that day has been around, it's the day we're living in today. We live in a world where evil is called good and good is called evil. Where bitter is called sweet and sweet is called bitter. We live in that world today. And so we need to resist the seductive efforts and we need to display faith in the face of adversity. Strength and faith in in the face of adversity. So how do we do that? In the ESV version of the same verse there, he says, instead of be strong shall stand firm shall stand firm they that know God their God shall stand firm shall be strong that means we'll face adversity but we need to stand firm we need to be unrelenting so that tells me in order to be strong we have to be able to stand we got to have a solid foundation now, we went a couple weeks back, we went through Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18, putting on the armor of God, having done all to stand, stand therefore. In our world today, we have to be able to stand, and then we have to be able to overcome. Have you ever noticed, have you noticed, that the need to be able to overcome adversity is coming quicker and quicker and more often and more often now? Because in the days we're living in, adversity is rolling at us around every corner. And many are wavering in their faith. Many are turning to other directions. We have become so smart and so intelligent. And we've looked to so many other things that we've kind of we've kicked God to the side. We've kind of come to the conclusion in many circles that we don't have to rely on God like we used to because our intellect is so, so large now so great now and so we can rely on our own abilities and our own strength but but how many realize all that's doing is it's bringing more and more adversity to us amen do you know these things bring a lot of adversity to you 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 are face to face with adversity all day long 
I'm not, I'm not saying don't have them. I've got it. And I, I'll use it. And I, I have to be on it. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying understand that with our great advances have come great adversities. And it is more imperative now that believers learn to overcome. Temptation now is right here in the palm of your hand. Amen? Can I just be real with you? Studies are showing the, the pornography trend. is I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I, I saw some statistics. Again, uh, I believe it was yesterday. I'd run across some statistics somewhere. I'd seen it somewhere, and I was looking at it, that, that young men, I want to say it was like between the ages of 13 and 19, that actively look look for porn on their devices has went up un, unbelievably and it's not just young men it's older men and it's women and it's everybody and and here's the thing can i just can i just be real with you for a minute there was a day when if you were going to have that addiction you had to walk into a convenience store <laughs> amen and you had to talk to whoever was behind that counter. Anybody remember? I'm not saying you did it, but I'm saying, does anybody remember those days? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I know some of you don't want to raise your hands because then you're thinking you're going to incriminate yourself. I plead the fifth on that, Pastor. But, but you, had to, you had to go in and you had to talk. Or if you other other addictions, you had to go in. Now, you don't, you don't have to do any of that. It's right here. Adversity has come. And so therefore, you have to understand how to overcome. How to overcome temptation. How to guard your mind. Amen. In the, in the computer age, we better learn how to overcome. And we better not just say, well, you know, the Lord knows. So if we fall, He understands. No, we better learn how to overcome. We need to know our God. And we need to ha- learn how to. And you know how you overcome? You walk in the Spirit and you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what is the enemy doing right now in the church world? He is making it to where a vast majority of the church world wants to take less time focusing on the Spirit... Amen. I said I'm just I'm just going to be real. We've we've kind of toned this thing down to where church we we don't focus on the spirit. We we don't lean into the moving of the spirit and rely upon him. And and therefore we're not learning to walk in the spirit. We're not learning to tarry in the spirit. And therefore we don't know how to overcome. Because the Bible says the way you overcome the lust of the flesh is by walking in the spirit. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. No, I'm just talking about walking in the Spirit. Where the Spirit of God is your guide, is your leading, is your direction, and not what's acceptable in the world, and not what other people have said is okay, but let the Spirit of God being our guide. Amen. Do you know that's how you are strong? It's when the Spirit of God becomes your guide. If you're wondering if something is right or wrong, go to the Word And pray and ask the Spirit of the Lord to guide you. And you know what the Spirit of the Lord does? He said He takes of what is the Lord's and He points us to Him. 
So if we want to overcome, we have to walk in the Spirit. And that means the Spirit is going to be pointing us to Jesus. So things that don't point us to Christ and His principles in His life are not from the Spirit. Amen. And so he says, be strong. And, and, that, and so we have to be able to stand and we have to be able to overcome. And in our world today, we have to be able to overcome. We have to be able to, to stay strong and to resist seductive efforts. Amen. We, we have to. And, and the only way is by knowing God and then He will make you strong. And we have to be able to remain. We, we have to be able to be steadfast. Amen. I know those, that's, a, that's a word that is an old word. But to remain steadfast is powerful in the day that we live. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 13. Matthew 24 and verse 13. Now listen to this one. He says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, there's some deep theology in that. Maybe another time we'll go into that. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So we have to be able to remain. This is how you are strong. You remain steadfast in Christ. You endure whatever the enemy tries to throw at you. You learn how to overcome by learning to lean on the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. And you learn how to stand even when others around you are faltering. They that know their God. Do you know we've got whole denominations and whole movements that are faltering? that once were, were, were Christian, that stood upon the Word, that now are wavering because they have, they have bent their knee to society and to culture. But they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Amen. So you've got to be strong. You've got to prove yourself by resisting these efforts that the enemy is bringing. Let me, let me give you one more scripture on this, and then we'll move to the next part. And then we're done. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 14. Listen to this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Turn to somebody next to you and tell them, Sin shall not have dominion over you. The things of this world. You can be strong. You can resist. You can, you can stand. You can overcome. You can remain. And then you can do exploits. And let me, let me, here's the meaning behind this. Resisting is the exploits. Amen. That the, in the, what he's talking about in, in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32 where he says, And they that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. What, what happened was that that band, does any of you ever remember hearing about the Maccabees? The Maccabean revolt? This is what Daniel eleven thirty two 32 is prophesying about. 
Antiochus Epiphanes is going to rise up. There's going to be a group that's going to start with a priest. And then his son is going to be named Judas Maccabeus. And he's going to come and he's going to resist. And he's going to fight against. And in guerrilla warfare, they're going to win. In fact, uh, Hanukkah, Festival of Lights, is where uh, this all began. Because they resisted. And they stood fast. They purified the temple again. And they began to move forward. This is where those those times were, were taken. Them. So this is what scripture was talking about. The exploits they carried out was in their resistance. Because in resisting the enemy, they did great things for God. Let me help somebody and I'll close. It's not enough to just resist the enemy. But then we are able to do exploits for God. If we resist the enemy, then God can propel us to great action for him. That's the early church. That's the early anointing. You go to that early church and you see it at work. They know their God. They know who Christ is. They understand. They resist the direction of their day that was trying to cause them to not believe in Christ and pull them away. They resist that. They stand. They remain. They're persecuted. But they stand strong. And then they carry out great activity for Christ. And they win their world. Can I tell you, God is still calling us to that today. To carry out exploits. The ESV again for do exploits says take Action, And I'm going to leave you with three words tonight. And here they are. Here's what God wants you to do. Here's the action He wants you to take. He wants you to faith big. And let's think for a moment. He wants your faith big. He wants you to be able to believe for the miraculous. He doesn't want small faith. He wants complete faith. He wants your faith big. He wants you to faith boldly. That means you're believing for big things and you're bold enough to proclaim them. And then he wants you to have a faith life where you live that way every day. Do you know that's what the early church did? They had big, bold faith that they lived every day of their life. And they resisted the enemy. And they had faith big and bold. And they lived it out. Amen. I, I, went, I stopped at 7-Eleven on the way here tonight. That's, my wife says, shocker. I stopped to get something to drink. And there was this group of young uh, young guys in there and they had track shirts on I thought they were a track team and I walked in and there was a lady with them and, and they said hi to me the guys did they were very polite to me and and uh, uh, I said you guys headed to a track meet or something what are y'all doing they said no we're going to church and I said alright and they said yeah we love to go to church on Wednesday night and I said good I said I'm a pastor so I love it when anyone says they love to go to church on Wednesday nights and they said, oh, where do you pastor? And I was talking to him, But I, the reason that hit my mind right now was they weren't timid about where they were going. They were bold. Let's be bold. Let's believe God for big things. 
And let's live that way every day. Why not? Do you know your God? Amen. Do you know your God? Stand up or I'll keep talking. Do you know your God? I'll keep talking for a minute anyway, but that'll make me quicker. Do you know your God? See, I know what y'all are saying before y'all are even say. I know what's in your mind. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think same things about me. Do you know your God? He's a creator. He's bold. He paints with bold colors. He's not some mundane, gray, dreary God. He's not some old fogey that just wants to be a killjoy about life. He's all about life. He's all about love. He's all about pictures and joy and new things and exciting things. And he asks you to walk on a journey with him. He asked Peter to get out of the boat. Amen. Monday, Ken had been asking me for a long time to go fishing with him. Monday, he, he said, hey, I'm off. Can you go fishing with him? So Monday morning, Ken and I went fishing. And the first time I went with him after all these times he's asked me. And we get out there, Ken, do you think if I'd have said, hey, jump out of there and walk on that water? You wouldn't have done that, would you? No. But do you know our God, when you know Him, He'll call you to step out and walk on some things that don't look possible. Because He just wants to see you do it. And He'll help you. And then if you do get off and you start sinking, He's right there to pick you back up. Know Him. Be strong. Resist the adversary. Stand and know how to overcome and do big things for Him. Do you know if we get a group of people this size right here that's willing to, to have big, bold faith every day of our life, do you know we could fill this place up probably by next Sunday if we'd have big, bold faith and live it out? It's just the truth, guys. It's time. It's, it's time to step up and be what God called us to be. Come to that early anointing. And let's be the church God wants us to be. And let's be the families and the individuals and the believers that God's asked us to be. And let's know Him. Let's be strong and let's do exploits. Let's pray tonight.